0: Hello, this is the news from Washington Golf, and this is Tom Cade. I am the Senior Director of Communications for Washington Golf. And joining us today is Jeff Wallach from Portland, Oregon. And uh, Jeff is a long-time, um, many, many years, long-time golf journalist and writer. And he has recently uh, published his first novel, nonfiction novel, called Mr. Wizard. And very happy to have uh, Jeff with us today. Hey, Tom. Thanks. Good to be with you. Yeah, thanks again, Jeff. Um so I have uh known you a little bit and but I but I want first is just talk about some of your background and how you got into this uh writing business and what you've been doing for the last 35 years. I've known you a little bit, but uh m- my first question is I I see that you are from the East Coast originally. Uh grew up in New York, yeah?
1: Correct. And uh, went
0: to school over there and master's degree from uh, Brown University. And, uh, and so my guess that leads to my first question. What brought you out west?
1: Well, uh, it was time for a change for me, having been in New York for most of my life. And mm-hmm. loved the mountains, loved the outdoors. Uh, had an opportunity to come out in 1985 for the first time and got in a big truck and drove all my stuff out here and kind of mm-hmm. never looked back.
0: Mm-hmm. Have you always been based in Portland since you got out here?
1: I have been, yes. Uh Yeah, I've made this home now for over 25 years.
0: Yeah. So 25 years, so you were writing at the time, working as a journalist, or what what was happening in your
1: life? When I first moved out here, it was shortly after I did a a graduate program in fiction writing, which turned out to be not the most practical thing you could go to graduate school for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I came out for a job up at Lewis and Clark college where I was uh, running a dormitory Mm -hmm. for them and working in their outdoor program and doing some writing for the administration. And then I started, uh, kicked off my freelance career from there because I had a place to live and my meals were taken care of. So it was a good Mm -hmm. way to start in a career that, um, is Mm -hmm. a tough one to start and a tough one to make a living at.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So. uh, uh did you uh let's see did you were you interested in golf uh as as a child i guess because i know you've done a a ton of golf writing as far as i know that's all i know you as i know you've done other writing but from my standpoint that's how i know you is from the golf writing how did you get into that part of it were you did you play golf as a kid did you play golf later in life or how did that happen
1: yeah, I started playing golf probably around 11 or 12 years old. That uh, was the kind of thing where somebody's mom would drive four of us over to the local Muni in the morning, drop us off, and eight or ten hours later, someone else's mom would come back and pick us up and take us all home. So I've, I've always had a love of the game. Mm-hmm. And when I started my freelance career working for magazines, I wrote for science magazines and business magazines and outdoor magazines. And for some reason, the golf magazines – Called me back with assignments more than any of the other types of magazines, and so huh. it was uh, it was an accidental specialty, but it mm-hmm. was one that has uh, rewarded me so much over the years in terms of the places that I've gotten to go to write about the sport and the people I've met through it.
0: Very mm-hmm. right, nice. So uh, some of the nonfiction work that you've done aside from your your journalism in magazines. Uh, you've done several books. Uh, one is Yeah, one is Beyond the Fairway. This looks to be more than just about golf. It's about the inner life of golf or, or what?
1: Yeah, it was a way of taking a lot of my um, offbeat travel experiences where I wrote specifically about the golf and pulling the curtain back and looking at what was happening in some of these places when I went to cover uh, tr- golf travel in Thailand, or I played in uh, Nepal and some other unusual places, the Ivory Coast in Africa, and it was always more of uh, adventure travel to me when I was mm-hmm. doing it. Even though most of what I got to write about it was only about the golf, so the the first book was more or less the stories behind the stories.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know what order these books came out, but then another one that you did was Driven to Extremes. What would, would you tell a little bit about that book?
1: Uh, that was a book where, uh, in the first part of the book, I went and studied with four or five what you might refer to as alternative golf instructors. So okay. there's a chapter in there about when I worked with Tim Galway, who wrote Inner Golf, and spent a day with him, and he was my coach, and... Uh, the fun part about that story was that I actually fired him as my coach during the day, which I think surprised him a great deal. And, uh, you know, then we kind of reconciled the things that we were working on and I, I rehired him for the day. And, um, we had dinner together and laughed about the whole thing. Uh, and there were some other instructors. I worked with, uh, Chuck Hogan, who was based in Oregon at the, at the time, who was sort of an, an inner, an inner teacher, Uh, and some other of the the offbeat instructors that most people wouldn't come across if they just signed up to go to a golf digest school.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, Another book uh, is uh, best places to golf Northwest, which I did not know you did that one. Uh, Just covering uh, courses and destinations in the Northwest.
1: Yeah, that was more of a traditional typical guidebook that broke the west up into a few regions so i think we did one on uh, vancouver bc and environs and we did something around seattle something around bend portland Mm -hmm. salt lake city just um clusters of a, a destination that would have a cluster of great golf courses and we wrote a little bit about the experience and described the courses and then it had all of the typical guidebook information like costs and phone numbers and things like that
0: yeah yeah okay and uh, one more nonfiction book here, I, I was surprised to see this one here, but uh, it says uh, the book is What the River Says About Your Experiences as a Professional River Guide. Right. Now, where did this come from? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, when I was working at Lewis and Clark College when I first moved here, uh, the director of their outdoor program trained me to work for him as a river guide, and from mm-hmm. there I went and worked for a company called Northwest Dories. In Idaho, and I'd go back there every summer. Probably did it for about 15 years, and uh, guide river trips on the Salmon River and the Snake River up in Idaho.
0: Oh, wow! Yeah, I did. Uh, you know, I was just poking around a little bit on on your information here, and I that came across that, and it just really surprised me. But that's that's pretty uh, a varied background you have. That's for sure. It's
1: it's been an adventure from the start.
0: Yeah. So. How many years you've been a professional writer,
1: you suppose? I think I must have started in around 1985 or 1986. I got out of grad school in 84 and did some contract work for different organizations. I I was a writer for uh, the Bonneville Power Administration uh, Hmm. in the Department of Energy. I did that for a couple of years. I've had some corporate clients. I've done ghostwriting. Uh, Yeah, it's been a, a varied menu.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, uh this latest book which is just published this month as I understand it, uh yeah. Mr. wizard your first novel, your first fiction Correct. book. Yeah. Um my first question uh, I I keep being told that it's a golf book, but I I think it's more than that obviously. I think it happens a lot on the golf course and happens around golf, um uh, but uh let me let me ask you: uh, Is this uh, in a in a in a three or four sentences? What it is? What what's the book about? Let us know.
1: The book is a genetic treasure hunt of sorts, where two brothers learn via DNA testing that the person they thought was their father was not their father, and so they take off following a collection of clues that may or may not have been left by their mother to try to discover who their fathers were. And uh, the the boys grow up in New York on Long Island in the 70s. They play golf there. They play golf throughout their lives. And then the second half of the book, as they're trying to find their way to who their father was, they travel over to Ireland, and there's a number of scenes in and around golf courses and clubs and mm-hmm. uh, pubs in Ireland.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of uh, familiar golf courses that you mentioned in the book and I- Irish courses.
1: Well, no, not really. Uh, it's a fictitious golf course where most of the golf action takes place. Although mm-hmm. people who've played over there might recognize characteristics of it mm-hmm. from courses that they've actually been on. So I would say it's an amalgamation of well-known courses, but not mm-hmm. one specific actual place.
0: Uh-huh. So had this idea for a, a fiction book uh, been percolating for a while with you, something you've been toying with and just now getting around to it, or how would this come about?
1: Well, it was interesting. I started out with a short story that I'd been working on on and off for many years, and I sent it to Michael Curtis, who's the fiction editor at The Atlantic. Michael had been kind enough to read some of my fiction early on in my career and was always very generous with his comments, even though he never bought anything. I <laughs> sent him the this, this story, and he said he really liked it, but it didn't seem like it quite finished to him. So mm-hmm. I went back mm-hmm. to work to make it a little longer, and suddenly six months later, I had a 300-page book, mm-hmm. uh, sent it back to Michael, who was, who was still very generous with his time, and uh, he uh, was very helpful in, in the process of getting it published.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so that uh, I think he, uh, that experience of publishing and going through that whole process and editing—that's a, that's that's a lot of the process of this whole publishing that people don't see, correct?
1: It is, and uh, I I can't, I can't underestimate my description of how difficult it is to publish fiction in the current environment mm-hmm. with uh... with bookstores going out of business um, the number of publications that are being put out by people who are self-publishing or publishing with small publishers like mine and mm-hmm. the difficulty of getting any kind of coverage at all i read mm-hmm. something recently on the publishers weekly website that said the average book published in america sells two hundred and fifty copies so wow. uh, this is not a uh, this is not a retirement plan.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, it looks like uh you've got this available, this book available, Mr. Wizard, in several different places. So I know that you've been out there working hard at it. One is on your own website, which is Jeffwallock.com. That's J E F F hcom dot com. And uh can people buy the book on your website?
1: They can. If they go on the website, right on the landing page, there's a button to hit. It takes you right to the publisher. You mm-hmm. buy it directly from the publisher, which is the best way. Somebody can support writers and publishers, especially mm-hmm. small literary publishers.
0: Uh huh. Other than your website, where else would people want to go? Then is it open? Is published by Open Books, correct?
1: Correct. But people yeah. could get it on Amazon and Amazon or open books are, are also places where they could buy an ebook that will be uh sent to to their email addresses yeah. almost yeah. instantaneously.
0: Yeah, uh ebook actually is a good way to go. Uh and I would think that with your 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 kind of book where there's not much graphics and illustrations, it's it's easily transferable to an ebook, correct?
1: Absolutely. And it yeah. should be easy to read.
0: Yeah. So I've heard, uh, Jeff, some people say that fiction writing is, is very difficult um, because there's so many variables in it and it goes in so many different ways because you're kind of making up your, your, the history of the, the book. You, don't, you, know, you have, may have certain facts to go by, but really you're, you're kind of on your own out there creating a, a, an entirely new world, and that can be daunting and intimidating to some writers. How did you find this?
1: It's funny that you asked that question, and it's a great question, because as a journalist, obviously you have to go out and and find the facts. You have to learn mm-hmm. no. what happened and get exactly right what somebody said about something. And so that's both the challenge of writing nonfiction and, uh, you know, also part of the requirement. So it's easy from the standpoint that you don't have to make any, anything up and also disappointing from the standpoint that you don't get to make anything up. And fiction mm-hmm. is the opposite. Uh, you can have a character say whatever you want him to say, and if it doesn't sound right, you can change it. If the facts don't lay out the way you want them to, you just get to change the facts. So mm-hmm. it, it, was, it was difficult in that there's a world – that's wide open with no limitations on how something can happen, but it's also liberating in that you can make it come out any way that you want.
0: Uh huh. Yeah. It's a good way to put that. Um, for this book, who would it appeal to? What kind of reader?
1: I think there's a few different groups of people that would be interested. People who are interested in, in ancestry and DNA testing, I think would find some fascinating things in it. Golfers mm-hmm. should love it. People who have traveled to Ireland or want to travel to Ireland or who are Irish should like it. There's some Mm -hmm. Jewish ancestry in it as well. And I think uh, readers of what they would call literary fiction would also Mm -hmm. find it.
0: Mm -hmm. So uh, another question is, how did you come up with the title, Mr. Wizard?
1: The title refers to a card trick that the mother teaches to the two sons early on in the book. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of a metaphor for how she's lived her life, and there's a there's a riddle there to be figured out that's not unlike the riddle the boys are trying to figure the answer to regarding mm-hmm. who their father was
0: mhm so is there any uh, uh you know the book takes place in Long Island in the seventies, which and you grew up in Long Island in the seventies is there any sort of autobiography aspect to this book a little bit? I imagine there is in every piece of fiction people draw from their experiences when they put something down on paper.
1: Yeah, also a great question. When you make things up, you have to base them on experiences that you've actually Mm -hmm. had. So there are both real things from my childhood in this book. Um, The schools that I went to are named in there. There Mm -hmm. are landmarks that people who knew the area would recognize and go, oh yeah, that's Walls Bakery, I know Walls Bakery, or that's uh, that's the Duck Pond. I used to drive by there all the time. But then there are also times and places in the book where there's a location that, that needs to be there, but maybe my memory wasn't uh, as great as it was regarding other destinations, and so rather than try to describe something that I couldn't remember quite mm-hmm. precisely, Mm-hmm. I would just make it up and give it a different name.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um about the book itself, is it a uh, a mystery? Is it a suspense? Is it a is it a, f- a family, you know, check-in uh, book? What do you how would you categorize it? Yeah.
1: It's a, it's a family drama and it's also a mystery, not in the sense that anybody gets murdered, but there are a, a lot of connections and and cause and effect that are revealed later in the book, and th- there are some surprises in there. In fact, some of them surprised me when I was mm-hmm. writing it. Mm-hmm.
0: So I, I think I know what you mean by that, but why don't you explain to me what you mean by that? I let, let me just say that I I think you when you write fiction, your 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 characters suddenly take you places that you didn't know they were going to go, but logically they got to go there. Is that what you mean?
1: That's exactly right. And uh, I've heard other writers talk about this in the past where the book determines how the book is written. And sometimes Mm -hmm. once you create a character or a situation – there's a natural way for it to resolve itself that may have nothing to do with what your intentions were for it. Mm-hmm. It takes on a life of its own and it mm-hmm. becomes a a participant in the creation of the work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So was that a, a sort of a nice thing to discover in fiction writing? That part of it?
1: It's, it's part of what made the writing of this book so fun for me because I would come to work in the mornings every day having some idea of the general direction that things were going in, but Mm -hmm. there was always a surprise around the corner. And I mean, for me, even one or two very big surprises where something happens towards the end of the book. I didn't know it was going to happen when it happened. I looked at it and I thought, well, of course that had to happen Mm because I see how everything laid itself out, but Mm -hmm. I didn't know it was coming.
0: (laughs) Nice. Um, Jeff, uh, any last comments about the book? Again, it's the book is titled Mr. Wizard, uh, First uh, Fiction Novel by Jeff Wallach. Uh, any final thoughts, Jeff, on it?
1: Uh, just really fun talking to you, Tom. Thanks for the opportunity.
0: Yeah, thank you, Jeff, for taking the time. And uh, again, for those who want to check it out and uh, purchase it, it's available at uh, on Amazon.com or uh, JeffWallach.com. Thanks again, Jeff. Talk to you soon.
1: You bet. Right. Bye-bye.